Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. We've got to tell that story, Austin. How, though? We could just say TV personality. We don't have to say who it is. Okay. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to uh, Mark Eaton coming up here momentarily. Did you hear that story, Gordon? What yes, Austin? I did. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Austin went up to a local TV personality whom he's met, you know, several times. And we're all in the media. And uh, Austin uh, couldn't get, hey, uh, remember me, I'm Austin from The Zone. Couldn't get that sentence all the way out before this TV personality said, thank you for watching. (laughs) And then walked away. And then walked away. Thank you for watching. It was like a scene on Parks and Rec. It was unbelievable. (laughs) Big time to buy a I've expected them to pull out a pen and sign my forehead. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for watching. And then turned around and, lay, uh, and left. Pat you on the head and scooch you in the britches. Now get out of here, you big knucklehead. Do you yeah. do that, Gordon, to your many fans? Thank no. you for reading and listening. No, never. You guys see that story about the five-year-old Utah boy who was stopped driving his parents' car on I-15? Uh, I did. I did see that. Said The kid said he wanted to go buy a Lamborghini. Well, at least he's got good taste in cars. They what was it like? Three, uh, how old were you when he, you bought your first had, Lambo? They said he had three dollars. Oh, that could have been really tragic. It's a good thing they pulled him over. How did he know to pull over? Uh, I don't know. At five years old, he knows what a Lamborghini is. <laughs> I, so maybe the officer came up behind him and had the lights flashing and, and was blaring over over the loudspeaker, uh, pull it over and park it or something. I, I guess. Know. I don't know. All right, Gordon, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, joining us now, longtime player for the Utah Jazz, NBA All-Star Mark Eaton with us on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mark, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys today? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, hopefully everybody's well, you and yours. How has this uh, situation been for you and your family? Uh, well, we've spent a lot of time at home, <laughs> <laughs> watched a lot of movies, ate a lot of soup. Uh, other than that, we're good. You know, just uh, hunkered down like everybody else, but hopefully uh, we're getting to, the, uh, getting to the end of this so we can start getting out a little bit more. I'd be interested in hearing a recommendation from Mark Eaton on a great movie to watch. Oh, let's see. Um, well, last night we watched one that was just kind of a fun movie. It's called uh, 100 Feet. And it's a story of an Indian family that moves from uh, London to France. And the son is a chef. And they move right across the street, 100 feet from a Michelin star French restaurant with a hoity-toity owner and it's a uh, it's a pretty good story 100 feet all right mark what was it like to be uh featured there in the last dance the docuseries that uh, has us all kind of captivated 
Well, I, I had recorded it, and then uh, I was doing something else that night, and all of a sudden my phone just starts lighting up like, uh, <laughs> hey, great job on, uh, you know, the, the last dance. I'm like, what? And uh, so apparently I was the one sound bite that set up the uh, the whole thing. So <laughs> uh, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to, to see it. And then uh, it's been fun to kind of like relive retro basketball uh, through that series and and everything else because uh, a lot of a lot of sports writers don't have a lot to write about. So today I showed up in the Las Vegas Review Journal and they were talking about the Jazz and Kareem and the home games back there back in the day. And so um, retro basketball has been really good for my PR. <laughs> for uh, From your vantage point, Mark, on the court, uh, how great was Michael Jordan as far as just his presence on, on the floor? Well, I think you see it in the documentary that, you know, when he wanted to do something and he wanted to take over the game, there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it. And I think the most amazing thing playing against him was that he was that good, that you found yourself watching him during the game even while you were out there saying, did I just see that? Did that just really happen? Uh, because you consider how great all the NBA players are. And Larry Bird, you know, talked about this uh, in in episode three or four where he said, you know, there's a lot of great shooters in the NBA, and then there's Michael Jordan, and it's just a whole cut above. And to uh, to play at that level night after night against that competition where every road game is the other team's biggest game of the year is just nothing short of remarkable. And uh, that's that's the most amazing thing to me. And they did it night after night after night. Looking at this it, uh, this docuseries, it just shows how the NBA game has evolved, how different it is today uh, than it was back then. And certainly the most noticeable difference to me is how physical the games were then. Uh, do you think uh, today's NBA game is missing a little bit of that? Well, you know, it's it's changed. And um, I don't know, for, for better or for worse, I mean, obviously uh, you can't, you can't argue with the uh, the numbers that are that, that the league has put up the last uh, the last few years and and the salaries and everybody seems to be much healthier for it. But I I kind of miss the um, hold on a second. My dog is like barking like crazy. <laughs> hey, this is live radio, baby. Hey, <laughs> enough. Um, but you know, so but I, I miss the the physicality of the. Of those years, and it was kind of fun to you know relive those. Even though you kind of look at some of the hard fouls and stuff, like well, we did play kind of rough back then. Um, so that part is uh, maybe it's for the better for the longevity of players, but it was certainly a lot more fun back then. I think than the than the game now. I enjoy watching, and I think that the talent and everybody's great. But I kind of miss the, the pushing and the shoving and the getting each other's face and all that stuff that we that was just a regular part of the game back then. Mark, as a player on one team, are you aware of the the inner locker room drama that goes on on other teams? It seems like that's been documented in this quite a bit, where there are either disputes between a player and management or teammates or players on other teams. Are you aware of all that? Oh, you know, you hear bits and pieces of it, and, and each team is unique based on its own ownership of the management, but... I think that the series done a nice job of portraying what it's really like in the locker room and what day-to-day life is like for an NBA player. And yes, there is, there are contract things going on, and guys get traded, and and there's, you know, little tiffs between players from time to time because it's a it's a big family. And 
Um, you know, there's, there's, I think it's just been very interesting to see kind of the attitude of Jerry Krause and stuff. And, and uh, I mean, who tells a guy that's won, you know, four championships, uh, yeah, you're out of here this year. We're going to go a different direction. Um, it's just mind boggling at a certain extent. And, and the other side of it is just that, you know, some, some people who are not players who are in management, see it from a whole different standpoint that it's not about the team, it's about the whole organization. And so it's interesting to watch that back and forth between the two of them. And, and yeah, that is, that's what it's like. And, you know, it is a job and you do work for somebody and they have complete control over whether you play or not and, and whether you stay with the team or not. And, and it all has to fit together somehow. Mark Eaton with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What's your take on Phil Jackson, Mark? Would you have liked to play for him? I, I think so. I mean, I don't know if I would have fit into a system, but, you know, I, I figure I, I could have fit in as well as some of the other guys they had playing the five spot there. But, uh, yeah, he was a player's coach, and that was clear. And, and he, the objective was winning, and he, I, I like the, the kind of even keel that he always maintained as a coach, uh, which maybe he learned as a player growing up. Uh, uh, that um, you know he was one to not always call an immediate timeout and let guys kind of figure it out out there and let the game come together based on the players' um, commitment to the competition and 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 to winning and so I, I think it would have been fun to play for that in that style of game but um, we, you know we had a great time here so I have no complaints. So Mark, were you a front of the plane guy who was playing cards for like uh, ten thousand dollars a hand, or, or or I guess that was in the back, or were you in the front with the one dollar hand games going? I was in the I was in the one dollar crew. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know we had a little of that go on with the team, and and early in my career, uh, well, you know, it was like like John Drew, um, you know, he was a big card player in the early 80s and big gambler and you know he took some rookies money in the back of the bus and it's it can be um a divisive thing because if uh, guys get in there and they start playing for too much money and somebody loses a lot uh it can make for a long road trip and uh and then guys get a little uh you know there's little conflicts going on between the, the players that can sometimes boil over on the court where i don't pass you the ball or something like that because of you know what you did to me last night on the bus or on the back of the plane and so the coaches our coaching staff was always kind of you know they're pretty cognizant of what was going on and and stayed on top of it and if it got to be out of hand they're like guys okay cool it off that's enough of that like no more cards for a week or so and let everything settle back down was uh you know back in that day were relationships amongst players on opposite teams well i guess let, let me put it this way uh you know today's day and age seems like everybody's buddies they all grew up playing aau together and everybody's really friendly uh but it seems like watching this di- documentary nobody liked isaiah thomas for example but it didn't seem like everybody was buddies is that true or is that just kind of back in my day type of stuff yeah, it, it, that era in the 80s and early 90s, uh, it was uh, most coaches did not like the fact that you had friends on other teams. They didn't want you fraternizing or hanging out with other players. And I was told that a few times during my career. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and yeah, it's a different thing now. But, but guys back then still had had played on, uh, you know, the McDonald's Open together in high school. Or they played against each other in college or might have been college teammates. And so there were friendships out there. 
but the team generally uh, they, they frowned on that stuff. And Pat Riley had a big law, a big rule against that, uh, and and our coaching staff did too to an extent. Uh, but some teams were just adamant about that. And, you know, if you knock the guy down on the other team, like, don't pick him up. Like, just leave him there. I mean, that's just, that was just kind of the attitude back then. And, and, uh, now people are trading jerseys, which, you know, some of the guys that, that played in my era look at that, like, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, uh, if there had been uh, a documentary produced in your final season, call it The Last Waltz or The Last polka whatever dance rumba whatever dance you like uh what would that story be like uh well you know i I think that our team was in a was in a good place um when i left and uh yeah we still you know we had our playoff struggles here or there but in general i thought the the franchise was in a good place i thought the management was was good and fair and and uh uh, so I had no complaints about how things finished up. Finished up for me. I think my my one regret was that ninety that that ninety two season. I guess it was the year before I retired um, when we went we played the uh, Blazers in the Western Conference Finals and and we were so close and we'd beaten the Bulls twice that year in the regular season and they were talking about that last night. You know when when uh, Michael Jordan just said, "Hey, I'm going after Clyde Drexler and and just took him apart. Um, and that that particular season for me, I thought our team was was gelling at the right time, and we just couldn't get get past the the boat the Blazers that year. David Benoit's father passed away that week, and he was the one guy that did a great job guarding uh, Clyde. And um, and you know, and they and they beat us in that in that seven game series. And that was a that was kind of a regretful summer for me because I thought, man, we were so close to getting to the finals, and and just couldn't get over the hump. Mark Eden is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, again, watching this documentary, Mark, it's it's interesting how petty Michael Jordan was. I mean, we all knew how good he was and that uh, he was the best player in the league, certainly over the majority of his career, but it seemed like he could create a slight out of anything. Is that common? Uh, I guess is that common amongst these highly competitive NBA players? Is that unique to Michael? Well, I think that speaks to his competitive nature, and, and I think all guys that, that can play at that level – um, all have their little idiosyncrasies and, and uh, you know, personality um, quirks, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, Carl Malone had his, John had his, we all had them. I and mean, you spend seven days a week together for, you know, the better part of six or seven months, and you get to know each other, and, and, and the competition is intense, and the scrutiny is intense, especially in, in MJ's case. And it's like, where did he go to, to let off some steam? Well, he played golf or – you know, sat on his in his hotel room smoking cigars, but uh, you know it comes out in various ways, and and and, it, and uh, so it is kind of like this family that's uh, sequestered together for a long period of time, and and little little stuff becomes big stuff. I, I, that that point that you were just talking about there really hit me last night as I was watching that Mark because he couldn't the, the second he left his hotel room. People would would seek him out and notice him, and you can probably relate to that on a lot of levels. I mean, it's not like Mark Eaton can walk through a a bus station or an airport or anywhere else without everybody turning and looking. What is that like? And and can I guess the average person would have a hard time relating to that. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's different. I mean, you you always know, even if you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you run down to the 
you know, the, the, the corner uh, convenience store for some ice cream, somebody's going to see you there and have a, something to say or, you know, tell you about it later on. And so you're always mindful of that when you leave the house, and that never goes away. Uh, but I think for MJ, it was on a whole other level. I mean, you saw the people in the, you know, in the hotels and, and outside the arenas and inside the arenas, and, the, and even people that, even the security people are asking them for autographs and pictures and things like that. But, and uh, I, I don't know how he handles it. I mean, it was just, it's mind-boggling. And, uh, and a, a couple years ago, he was here in the summer for a while, and, um, and I took him down to our restaurant uh, for dinner, and, and I said, well, why, you know, why are you hanging? He was here. He, he bought a house here in Park City. He had it here for a few years. And I said, why do you like it here? He goes, well, it's the one place I can go to the grocery store and not and be bothered. He goes, my brother and I went to the grocery store at Kimball Junction. He said it was the first time in 20 years he'd gone to the grocery store. And that really struck me because I was like, well, I go to the grocery store all the time. And, you know, I don't get bugged too much. But I'm, for him, that'd be a whole different deal. And so uh, I was like, wow, it is. That is a whole different level of, of of not having any kind of private life that most people don't even think about. If you were having dinner with him, what's he like, Mark, with to sit down and talk to and just shoot the bull? What what's Michael Jordan like? He's he's competitive. It's you know, it's he's just um he's he's pretty wound up. So he's a great guy. Um and you know, we had a good a good time. And I'll you know see him frequently but occasionally. Um, he's a pretty wound up guy and he hangs out with people that are pretty competitive and, you know, business leaders and stuff like that. And but we still had a lot of fun. It was good. Mark Eaton with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 zone. Mark, you, uh, you talk to a lot of companies out there. Uh, you talk uh, about teamwork, uh, to a lot of folks and, uh, just curious as to your take on, on how we're behaving as a community, because it's, it's really, we're all on the same team, right? It, it takes teamwork to, to figure a way through this. Do you have any thoughts on, on all of us being teammates? Well, uh, I think in general we've done a pretty good job of, of you know, following the quote-unquote directives of, of staying home and letting this thing pass. And um, uh, and I hope that things will be able to get back to some semblance of normality here shortly. Uh, and I hope this thing is with us for a long period of time. Uh, and but I, I think that people are getting to the point now where it's like, okay, we've we've done our two months. Uh, let's you know, let's get things rolling again here. And I think the governments and various states, including ours, are starting to recognize that, and the threat is diminishing to a certain degree. But everybody's got to continue to be mindful of it. Um, it's. It's challenging, but I think from a team standpoint, everybody's doing uh, doing a, a really good job, and um, I, I just don't know how much we can keep doing it. Mark, you, you mentioned that you uh, asked MJ about why he uh, came to Utah. Why, why did you stay in Utah? That's not all that common amongst jazz players, but you've uh, made it your home. Uh, how so? Why so? Well, I think when I was finishing my career, and, and number one, I never anticipated staying here for my whole career. I mean, you know, you go into the league and you think, well, you'll bop around and play backup center here, do a few things there, and make a little money. And um, and so the fact that the team stuck with me uh, when I knew they had chances to trade me or move me, and and uh, and together we we had a good run. 
uh, meant a lot to me. And and uh, the and Utah was uh, the people were great, and I've enjoyed the the you know the the out of doors. And and I moved to Park the Park City area in 1983. And I've been here ever since, and uh, it's just a, a nice place to be. I love going down to Salt Lake, and and um, I want to I want to get you know where my kids going to grow up. And moving back to Southern California just didn't really sound that attractive, uh, and so um, that's why I opted to stay here. And and then we got the businesses going and everything else, and never looked back. And this is home. Speaking of those businesses, uh, what's uh, what's going on right now with Tus- uh, Tuscany? Are you guys, uh, uh, you know, coming back slowly, we, or what's the deal? We uh, we opened up uh, last Friday, and nice. uh, you know, with all the regulations and everything, and it was interesting. We had a pretty good response from people coming in. Where I was a little concerned, like, yeah, come on and sit down. We'll serve you with some rubber gloves and a mask and disinfect your table. That sounds appealing, um, <laughs> but in but in reality, people were so anxious to get out that they came. And, uh, and we're still doing a, a fairly good takeout business every night as well. So we're kind of a hybrid at the moment, but uh, we're just playing it day by day. And it's been interesting with staffing and uh, and the whole thing, just trying to pull it back together and make it work. Um, and, you know, thank goodness we're, we've been able to, to hang on to our key people and, and through all this and, and – uh, and, and we'll get through it, but there's a lot of small businesses that that will not make it, and I feel terrible for them, and because because it's just been such a such a, a challenging thing, and uh, for uh, everybody in the service industry. But we're we're doing good. We're there, and uh, got a new uh, wedding venue across the street. We're going to be opening up here in another month or so, and and Franks uh, opens on Sunday, uh, and uh, so we've been we've been doing all right, and we're there, and you know, come see us. How long, Mark, before you'll be able to go back out and and do your speaking? You know, it's going to be a while. I've had most everybody. Uh, the the good news is nobody has canceled the meeting yet, but everybody has postponed things until late fall next year. So a dry spell here, I think, probably until uh, September, October. So got to come up with some other things to do. Well, Mark, we appreciate you dropping by the show, and uh, if you're looking for something to do, come on with us more often. <laughs> Anytime, call me up. I'm uh, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, we appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Okay, guys. Take care. The great Mark Eaton with us here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Fun to, to check in with Mark. How about Mark? He he says uh, it's not as fun without the, the pushing and shoving and uh, John. <laughs> I like that. that. That was good. That sounds like a big man, doesn't it? It does. Yep. And how would you like it to have uh, Michael Jordan call you up and say, hey, uh, Let's go out and get something to eat, huh? That'd be cool, right? Wouldn't you just want to, like uh, with, with Mark and Michael Jordan, wouldn't you just want to sit there at the table and just be quiet? Like, I'll just, I'll just hang out over here. You guys do your thing. Well, I guess it helps if, uh, if you own the restaurant. I, I suppose it does. But how about that, that, uh, that Michael uh, Jordan liked it here because he could go to the store, go to the grocery store. I'm sure those simple things are... Are not common in his uh, in his life because of who he is. That's yeah. an interesting comment on on our our uh, community, right? Uh, I'll reiterate that point that Mark was talking about for him to to have uh, gathered and garnered that kind of attention everywhere he goes. Uh, the second he leaves the hotel room, and then on top of all the attention he gets and all the demands on his time and all the endorsement and all the other stuff he's got going on. 
for him to have to step out on that court and uh, perform like everybody expects Michael Jordan to perform, that is, that has to take a huge toll on the human, on the human being. Well, I, how did he how did he put it in the in the documentary where he said people want to know what it's like to be Michael Jordan for a day? Try it out yeah. for a year. <laughs> <That's what he's, laughs> I, and, and when he said that, I thought, yeah, everybody wants to be fam- thinks they want to be famous and rich and prominent and all that stuff. You just think you do. I'm, I'm I'm not sure that everybody would really be well suited to handle that. And obviously, he it was a struggle for him at times, but he was able to uh, perform the way he did. Uh, but I bet that's true of Mark too. I mean, Mark everywhere Mark goes, you tell me people aren't looking at Mark. Oh yeah, you notice him. I, I've told this story a number of times. I went to a, a concert up at Red Butte Garden, uh, Gordon, in that uh, concert venue, which is just wonderful. And uh, Mark had a spot uh, up uh, up closer to the stage, and I was kind of toward the back. And you'd go, "Wow, Mark Eden's here." <laughs> you know, there's there's probably like what six seven thousand people at the at a concert like that, and it's like you could pick Mark out, no problem. You just oh, Mark's here. Yep, there he it's is. Pretty wild. And everybody looks and everybody notices and everybody takes note of it. And in this day and age, everybody has cameras on their phones and everyone has social media. And it's it. Uh, I, uh, Michael Jordan probably still experiences this uh, most places, maybe not in Park City, but most places. And uh, people taking your picture and, and taking note of what you're doing, observing, watching. It's it is, uh, I imagine. Even for someone who's been used to it for a long, long time, somewhat unnerving. All right, coming up next, uh, we will get to the drop of the day. Uh, it is the big show. We want to remind you about our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. Big thanks to Mark Eaton for jumping on with us. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Time for sounds of various clips or whatever. Here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 Boy, Zone, also known as Drop of the Day. Am I sorry I said that? I got to listen to that every single day. Sounds of various clips. If you missed yesterday's uh, oh. sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Thanks for Indeed it is. Again. I appreciate that. What if, what if we, you know, forgot the name of the Not Sports Report or something? You'd be incredibly offended. Welcome to 12 minutes of rambling about things no one cares about, but we'll only talk about for the next two days or whatever you call it. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> oh, man. Sounds of various clips. All right, today... Uh, we wanted, uh, well, I was, I was hoping we had the whole thing of Bronco Mendenhall getting interrupted, uh, saying, is there anything anybody else knows that I don't know, (laughs) which I still find to be hilarious. And we found the drop. We just can't find the whole interaction, which isn't a surprise considering it happened, what, 12 years ago? I know you think you know more than I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because a fan interrupted Bronco to tell him the, the... The actual size of his recruit, which is just 
so hilarious that that would be that would happen. Anyone, anything else that anyone knows that I don't know? I I'm with Bronco on that. I would be so irritated. <laughs> it, was, it was the second uh, uh, angriest I've ever seen Bronco. And the, the first being suspenders, is, boy. Right. But, but you got to admit, you know, even as a head coach, you don't know every dimension of every kid, of every name, every this, and, and someone's but it, correcting but you. But it wasn't a and a It was just he was up there with a slideshow. Right. Just saying we're excited to have this <laughs> Here's a name. Here's a rough measurement. Uh, uh, Bronco, actually, uh, he's gained 17 <laughs> pounds in the last three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Tell it to on. the Cougar Club. I'd be so <laughs> irritated. He had a he had an oh, interesting relationship with fans because remember when he said the the level of criticism now usually that. matches the level of intelligence or whatever it was. He All he was zero. yeah he didn't like the interact with fan part of the job. The level of criticism usually matches the level of education. Which I get. I'm sure. Oof. I mean, this this comes back to our Michael Jordan conversation a little bit, right? Uh, like, I'm sure it's a little bit obnoxious. Sure. But Bronco never really seemed to handle it all that well. I would agree with that. He was he was awkward with that kind of thing. I mean, he knows his football, but uh, there were times when it got a little strange. So, uh, but so we couldn't find that whole clip. So we decided to go with uh, something else Bronco related because this is unbelievable. Uh, that time that uh, he and Dave Rose tried to film a Mr. <laughs> Mac commercial. Coach, good to see you. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I just uh, didn't know about all this extra stuff that went with being the head guy. It's a lot more to it than just the coaching. I hear you, brother. I even had to learn how to dress the part. <laughs> the smartest thing I did is found Mr. Mac right at the beginning. They make you look great. Coach, how's it going so far? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Uh, I just didn't know if I was ready for all this extra head coach stuff. There's no way to be ready for it, and there's a lot more to it than just coaching. I hear you, brother. I even had to learn how to look the part. Too far apart again? Let me get closer. Coach, how's it going so far? I'm doing pretty good. I don't know if I was ready for all this extra head coach guy stuff. There's no way to be ready for it. Uh, a lot more to it than coaching. I hear you, brother. I am uh, even had to learn how to dress the part. <laughs> Best thing I did is found Mr. Mac. At least they make us look good. <laughs> Rookies, Mr. Mac has been making me look... Rookies, Mr. Mac has been making me look like a winner for 40 years. <laughs> Rookies, Mr. Mac has been making me look like a winner for 40 years. I hear you, brother. That's my favorite part, though. I hear you, brother. That's the most forced <laughs> line. <laughs> Dave, what, what are you I hear you, brother. <laughs> Coach, how's it going so far? Man, if I ever wake up in the middle of the night and can't sleep, I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> well, you don't have to be a good actor to be a good uh, college coach, I suppose. <laughs> I hear Nobody, you, brother. Uh, Nobody told me what it was going to be like to be the to do this head coach guy stuff. I hear you, <laughs> no brother. Way to be ready for it, and there's a lot more to it than just coaching. Jeez, That's so bad. <laughs> that makes oh, you want to go hit somebody. So <laughs> Team on three. Go. I'm not there's kidding no you. Be ready for it, and there's a lot more to it than just coaching. I love it that they Amen. released those outtakes, though, because at least they can yeah, laugh at la- laugh at themselves a little bit. That's that's pretty hilarious. Man, I fell asleep I twice during the sound. I, I hear, hear you, you brother. brother. <laughs> and by the I end, he just brother. kind of mumbles it. He's like, I hear you, brother. I hear you, brother. I hear you, brother. 
<laughs> that one's the best <laughs> one. It reminded Austin of the old Michigan president. I hear you, brother. Richard. Oh, And Lavelle comes in at the end and stumbles over his line. You know what? I, 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 I bet you Quinn Snyder isn't a terrific actor. I bet it'd take him a few takes to do a commercial. Well, did you see the uh, the quarantine cookbook that came out over oh, the Oh, you know what? I did not. I, I saw it came out. I did not watch his, it. Was it good? Yeah. Well, yeah. He made an ice cream pie. Yeah, that his mom made for him. Correct. When he was Boy, born, that looked right? pretty good, didn't he it? Used, he used Breyer's ice cream. That's fine. I would suggest Farr's. Far better ice cream. Only the best for family and friends. But You are their spokesperson, kind of. Uh, not really. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was good. He, and there's not. it's not really acting, but you have to be a little bit of a showman. Sure. You can't sure. just Weber cooks the Eddie thing. Eddie did a good job. Oh, yeah, it was great. And it made me really want a lot of uh, ice cream pie. Weber cooks the thing. I'm telling you, one of these days I'm going to do a video on how to cook. And I think I'd be really good Open at that. Open the can of cream of mushroom soup, <laughs> dump it on the beans, and put it in the microwave. It, is, it, will, that, be it will be Weber cooks. You're right. And then the onion things you sprinkle on at the end. Hello, wildcats. <laughs> We got some time. Should we play that? <laughs> it's all it's all a matter of timing on these things, you know. You just got to get them just right. I bet that ice cream pie is good, man. Doesn't that sound good? It sounds amazing. It was actually. pretty funny. He has a whole package of Oreos, and he's going to make the crust out of it, and then it cuts away, and he's like, "Well." And it's got two sleeves of it missing now. He's like, well, the kids or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay, so maybe I maybe I take it back. Let's see who Take would, it back? Uh, uh, that Quinn would not be a good actor. Maybe he would. I thought you said you thought he would be. Or were you being sarcastic? Uh, no, I don't think he would be. Oh. Why? You think he'd overthink it? No, he just is so, uh, like, like he's so no-nonsense. No you know what I mean? He's so, like, oh, like direct that, that to the br- point, no-nonsense. That would make it even better. I hear you, brother. I hear you, brother. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you, brother. <laughs> I hear you, brother. This head coach guy stuff. You know who I bet would be a good actor, though? Craig Smith. Oh, totally. The yeah. Aggie head basketball coach, he definitely would be a good actor. He'd, yeah, he'd be great. He'd overact. What are you talking He'd be like Jim Carrey. Yeah, and that guy's never amounted yeah, to anything. Yeah, he hasn't had any success whatsoever. What a hack. <laughs> that Jim Carrey guy. Tell me when his movies make money. Larry Kraskoviak would do the great, uh, you know, uh, Sam Elliott kind of voiceover. I could see Larry being a good actor. Larry would be the voice of the trailer. Yeah, right. He's in a world (laughs) where every player transfers. (laughs) Wow. Look at Austin from the top rope. How about that? (laughs) Are you a good actor, Gordon? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I acted in numerous plays. When? Oh, back when I was a teenager. Give us a, a play and a part. Uh, I I was in a play called The Octopus's Garden. And I, it's false. Yes, I played the part of the okay. octopus. <laughs> it's true. And you played the octopus. Okay, stop it. I did. Just stop I, it. No, I had this great costume. And when I came, because my part played the part of a judge. And so I was. I had this octopus thing on, and when I came out on the stage, I had everybody uh, in the palm of my hand because the costume was so fantastic that everybody started laughing, and I, it was a comedic role. And yeah, I knocked that out of the park. 
How <laughs> dumb do you think we are? Seriously, that's just pulls a Beatles song out of the ass thing wait, wait, I've wait. ever heard. I swear to you that what I just told you is true. Why did it take you so long to answer then? I don't know. It's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Not a it, chance. And I, I, you, you I said swear. not only is this play called Octopus's Garden, but then you follow that up with, of course, I played the octopus. You were so full of crap. I did. I did. You are, it came so, down to me and Meryl Streep and know, poor Meryl. You could at least she got tree number two. You could at least tell us something like a real play. You could oh, I played Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye no. Birdie or something. Don't give me. I played the octopus in no, Octopus's I, Garden. No, no. no you did it. Is this something? Is this something you made it. up in kindergarten Don't, or something? Stop, stop it. Oh no, no, it was in high school, and I helped write the play. All right. Okay, that's it. All right, All we'll right, have more. Big show coming up next. Stay I tuned. Swear to you. 97.5 and 1280 I, The Zone. Our love was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. Disappointment haunted all my dreams. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. I, I still you, this this play thing. You are just something else. You, you really, you really are. It's what you know me well enough to know that I'm not a deceitful person. And if I, it's one thing for me to pull your leg a little bit, but it's another for me to absolutely guarantee 100 percent truth. And that's what I'm doing with that story. Uh-huh. Whatever you say, octopus. You're, you're jealous. <laughs> Extraordinarily. That's, that's so. the honorable octopus to you, yeah. Jake. <laughs> He played the judge, of course. Uh, Gordon, some sad news from the world of sports, and uh, uh, we we certainly don't want to dwell on it too much, but mm-hmm. uh, is certainly worth mentioning. A legend passed away today. Don Shula, the NFL's winning winningest coach, passed yeah. away at the age of 90. According to his family, he passed away, quote, peacefully at his home, unquote. I remember uh, having Don Shula come into town here, and he did a he did an interview with us on the on my, at that time my radio show, and uh, I was it, the Don Shula is one of those guys. It, it reminded me of when I interviewed Jack Nicholas the first time and Ar- Arnold Palmer. These were people who, as a younger person, I I remember looking up to as being great athletes, great coaches. And so to sit uh, down side by side and, and chat uh, with him was was truly uh, a bit intimidating for me because of that that relationship, uh, but really really cool. And uh, it was it was great being able to talk with him and uh, just a fantastic coach. I remember when he went from Baltimore to Miami, and I, I remember thinking. Because at that time, I didn't live uh, too far from Baltimore. And I remember thinking, wow, why does he want to go down to Miami and start over again? Because he saw such great success. And uh, doggone if he didn't create it down there as well. So good for him. 90 years old. That, that's a pretty good run, I'd say. Yeah, it's, you know, they really built the Dolphins into a, a powerhouse, right? And it, interesting that that franchise in the, I guess, in the 2000s now really has not had hardly any success yeah which is crazy because you think i mean you think players would want to play in miami right you would think that i would that sounds pretty good to me i mean where would you rather play in uh detroit 
or I got well, the Detroit's uh, under a dome, but uh, it just seems like Miami would be an inviting atmosphere to practice and play. Because Jimmy Johnson was okay until when he probably coached until what the early two thousands, and then I mean, when was the last time the Dolphins were good? When was the last time they made the playoffs? Uh, that's a good question. I'd have to check that. Seems kind of crazy because Don Shula did a lot of winning there for a long time. Yeah, he did. I think I heard today, and I I apologize, I should have this in front of me. He only had one or two losing seasons ever. Yes, two. Two was it two? two. Uh-huh. That's which is amazing. It's amazing Marino didn't get back. When you say get back, what do you mean? Because didn't he make it his first or second year in the league? Second year in the league, and then didn't make it back after that. Hmm. Was it his second year? Man, I'll tell you, the years they all flow together, don't they? Uh, uh, let's see. It was Super Bowl nine or what's that? X I X. What is that? Uh, nineteen. In nineteen eighty-five. Nineteen eighty-five. So he came out in eighty-three. So that had to be his second year. Huh. Well, uh, uh, fond memories of uh, what Don Shula was able to uh, to achieve. I mean, to win like that in a league as competitive as the NFL, and I know that was in the earlier years, but uh, just uh, that's dominant. That is. Where does he fall on uh, on best coaches, NFL coaches of all time? Is Belichick hands down number one? Uh, that's what everybody around these days says, and. Uh, because you want to talk about competition, it may be as difficult to win in the NFL right now as it ever has been. But uh, but I would I would put him up in the top five. Yeah. Uh, Belichick or Shula? Sorry, both both in the top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who else up there? Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh, Frank Beamer, uh, maybe Chuck Knoll, Frank Beamer. Which of these guys could at least laughing? Which of these guys could reprise uh, the octopus's garden role? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Belichick. He's about as honest as that story was. Tom, Land- Tom Landry, maybe up there. Who else? He'd be a we... miserable octopus. Yeah. yeah, he wouldn't have been. He would have been terrific. But he, he won a lot of games in Dallas. Well, of course, uh, Packers. Why am I going? Uh, oh, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. But he wasn't there nearly as long. Curly Lambeau won uh, considerably more games than Vince did. Why don't you see people named Curly anymore? <laughs> I feel like that's a name that shouldn't go by the wayside. Curly? Curly. Austin, if you ever have a son, Curly Horton. Not a chance. <laughs> no? That's perfect. That's a good That's a good handle right there. Yes. Curly Horton. I, Curly Horton. It's perfect. Do it. Okay, fine. What was uh, what was the nickname of that golf hustler that Michael Jordan owed sixty k to? Apparently, Slim. Slim. Was that his name? I like it that he was he was na- or he was described as a golf hustler. That was his career. <laughs> that was his chosen. <laughs> what do you got to do to be a golf hustler? That sounds like a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> I guess you got to be pretty good at golf. Yeah, I suppose. You're right. I told I told one of my daughters, man, you should you should be a tennis hustler. Because she could have made so much money doing that, especially with all these guys who, uh, you know, who are the most vulnerable college athletes and probably other other men who think they're so good at a sport and how good could this girl be, you know? Well, that's sexist. 
Oh, I know, but that's she. She got that all the time. Well, this isn't 1950 anymore, Gordon. No, this. Well, was I when think she we was... all acknowledge that girls can be good at sports. No, this was in the in the this. When did she graduate? She. This, I'm talking about the one that went to Utah, and she was really really good. And she had a lot of football players who would find out that she was a tennis player, and they'd say, oh, "I could beat you." And I and a number of them went on to play in the NFL. And I said, "Man, you should have bet him ten thousand dollars." And if you ever, what if she would have lost? Well, she wouldn't have. But if but she would have, she did. See, not all of us could gamble like twenty grand like you seem to to put on everything. Well, these guys, they're headed, well, I don't know if they had the money then, but uh, right. But don't you have to? You have to have the money to be able to bet. That's that's part of it. Well, uh, let me. Or say, you lose I, a thumb. I would have been so confident that she would beat every one of these guys. I would have put up the money. Well, that's illegal in this state, Gordon. <laughs> yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Hmm. I'm, I'm speaking theoretically here. <laughs> By the way, if you name someone Curly, don't they have to grow up to be like a train robber or something? Or, no. or a stooge? I don't know. I feel like if you name your kid Curly, I think he could grow up to be anything. <laughs> oh, sounds Curly like a, Horton. Sounds Curly like a, is, Horton. That sounds like a wanted poster. That is brilliant. Curly I think Horton. it is brilliant. That may be one of the best names I've heard in a long, long time. And you could give him some... Highfalutin first name like Lawrence or something, and then call him Curly. Yeah, perfect. Like like Jack Palance in City Slickers. <laughs> yeah, Curly's Gold or whatever it was. It was Curly. Curly. I want Horton you to go. I want you to go sound. home from the show today and announce to Whitney that you have the name of your next child, Curly. And, and then yeah. she'll say, "And who are you having that child with?" <laughs> All right, it is the big show. We'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Monday has come and gone, Gordo. went by fast. It did. We had a lot of fun today and had some great guests and Good conversation and nothing but 100% the truth. You bald-faced lied to all of us. I did all not. of us about appearing in a play called Octopus's Garden. I swear you played it is the true. octopus. I did. I was the judge. I was the octopus. And when I walked out on the stage, everybody started laughing because the costume was so terrific. Because the first costume, there were two. The first one didn't look right. It was just dumb. And I said, "Now nah, we gotta we gotta rearrange this." And so somebody made a new costume, yeah. and it was perfect. Now you're the perfect. costume designer, too? Okay. <laughs> well, I and then there the was thing. a part yeah, of the song that John it. Lennon didn't quite, go quite right, it. so I, uh, I rewrote the score. And you wonder why then you tell us a story God. about being checked up with Juice Newton, and you wonder why we don't believe you. I swear it's true. I, I swear. I would, I would bet you a million dollars it's true. And how exactly would we prove it? I can, I can, I can, uh, I can conjure up witnesses. In fact, I can find some people who are actually in the play. If you got a million dollars, you can pay them off. Yeah, right. Reliable witnesses, or what? You just uh, absolutely some old absolutely. lady, and they'd be like, "This is Judy from my tenth uh, grade <laughs> class. She'll tell you all about it." It's unbelievable, man. It now, is. now you're now it you're is. taking credit for the Beatles' work. <laughs> no, it's true. Seriously, it's true. And I had one part in it that I was supposed to sing, and they decided that it would be better if I just narrated it because my voice was 
wasn't uh, in prime form at that time. I think I'd mm. laryngitis or something. Uh huh. It, it did, did you stay out on the, the frozen lakes too long with Rockard Richard the night before and <laughs> got a cold and couldn't sing? <laughs> you guys, when you live a long time, you have lots of stories to tell. That's one I've never told you before, but it's 100% accurate. That's another, it's another piece of evidence of why I don't believe it. Right. Jake's worked with you, what, almost 20 years? Never heard that. I've worked with you almost 10. <laughs> I've heard them all. Until this comes along. Until Octopus's Garden. Not a shred of <laughs> chance I'm going to believe it. Start as Octopus. I, 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 can, I can come up with witnesses that, will, that are just credible people who will absolutely back me on that. You could have at least like said you played a character that wasn't right there in the title. You know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> no, I actually I played Larry, the Octopus's Seahorse Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had a friend. On and I, I no, no, the listen. Octopus. I okay. had a friend. I had a friend who lives in. Uh, where does he live? He lives in uh, down around Draper area. Uh, who was a shrimp in the mo- in the in the play? Well, now it's a and, movie, huh? And I have a friend who who uh, who lives somewhere here in Utah who was also. In the play, who how do all these people from Delaware end up in Utah? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That, it's just the, the, a couple of them did, a few of them. Did. And as you're uh, searching for city names, he lives in. Uh, 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 where's that map? Uh, the Draper. Now, Draper. That's now, it. Now, now listen. The reason I was struggling to find the place is because it's that community it's a lie. that's that's up on the hill between Draper and <laughs> Alpine. What's that area called? Yeah, all there? these details oh. is not making this more believable. It's making it less believable. <laughs> That's we got. Uh, it's like I, way less believable. I, I could not tell you a more honest story. Oh. It is absolutely one hundred percent. If it's not true, then I'll pay for both of your kids' college educations. Okay. All right. It, it, so so every true. syllable was one hundred percent. And again, how are we going to prove true. if it's true, true or not? That's a good point. I'll, I'll produce witnesses who are there. Again, credible witnesses or just yes. random folks that you're bribing. True because Hollywood I, stories had a film crew. I, I, you know, apparently the the migration from Delaware to Utah was mighty. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, half the state moved to Salt Lake City. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, Gordo. You have yourself a nice evening. <laughs> You guys are a little jealous, aren't you? Oh, yeah. You're green around the gills. Hitch up the wagon, (laughs) Delaware. We're going west. Oh, man. We had dancing girls and the whole thing. Talk to you tomorrow on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.